The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Turning your Bibles to John 18, we're going to be looking at verses 28 through 38. And we remember from previous chapter that Jesus prayed. He prayed concerning the glory that he had before the world existed. And then he prayed for those whom the Father gave him out of the world. And what we see is a distinction, a distinction between two kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven before the world existed with those whom the Father has given him and the kingdom of this world. So Jesus sends us into the kingdom of this world. And so we function with two kingdoms in mind. In our text, we need to keep in mind that Jesus is the king of a heavenly kingdom, a superior kingdom with a sovereign king. And all that happens to him only happens in our text, in history, because he allowed it. He allowed it for his wonderful and gracious purposes. And as crazy as our world is, we need to remember and live with this truth in mind, that Jesus is king. With that in mind, would you pray with me? Father, it's easy to be frustrated. It's easy to even be angry at the injustices, the insanity of our culture, and those who control and promote what is evil while calling it good. If we're to be angry, let it be for your name's sake and not our own. Lord, help us to never lose hope in your sovereign care. Help us to see how this worldly kingdom, which so arrogantly treated your son, was never in control. But it was you who ordained all of it in order to reveal the truth. Your word, your son, is truth. And we pray in his great name for the sake of his kingdom and glory. Amen. John 18, verses 28 to 38. Uh, Follow along as I read. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? 
Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And he had said this, after saying this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. This is God's word. What a perspective we have concerning the truth, concerning the very real kingdoms of which we are a part. Pilate's kingdom, the kingdom of man, is held by military might. It's equipped with taxes. It's a kingdom of pomp and ceremony and prestige and alliances with other rulers. In modern times, this kingdom manipulates through the press, through propaganda, technology, economics, even science. What have we seen? What have we seen just in the last two weeks? A man has been named Woman of the Year by USA Today. A man has won the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. And a Supreme Court nominee says that she cannot define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. Do any of these people truly believe they are telling the truth? Or is their agenda so primary that truth really isn't their concern? So we come back to Pilate's famous question, or more likely his statement of cynicism, what is truth? What is truth? Let's face it, we're living in crazyville, and the only solution to those who either lie for the sake of their sinful agenda, or are so corrupted by these lies that they are believing them, that they're blind to the truth, the only Solution is the gospel. The only true hope is the gospel. And Isaiah 5 is very relevant to our time. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is our world. This is our, the kingdom in which we live. So let me just remind you that our responsibility in buying transportation for the Machakas is a better investment. Sharing the gospel and being involved in the lives of all of our missionaries is a better investment. It's better 
It's so much better than listening to political podcasts and being informed and getting involved politically. And we should be. We should be involved. But this heavenly investment will have a much greater impact because it will enable the truth of our heavenly kingdom to be revealed to lost and blind, upside down, this upside down world, this kingdom in which we live. God is sovereign. And the corruption we see is is him sadly giving people over to their own heart's desires their own sinful desires. And we're called to, we're called by him to continue the work of King Jesus by going, by going, by proclaiming the truth that transforms, making disciples in this kingdom, a kingdom, in a kingdom that will last forever. And if you missed this announcement Last week, or as Pastor Bill brought it to your attention at the start of the service, if you're not on the BCC email list, uh, then go to our website, bearcreekchurch.org. We'll keep you informed. You can find details out about this. You can give toward something that will actually have an impact for good in Crazyville. What a perspective we have. And the temptation is for us to to fall into despair, lose our minds in frustration and anger because the wrongs are so clearly wrong, so blasphemous to God. So if there's anger, don't let it simply be a hanging on to some nostalgia of what America once was. Don't let it only move you to being politically involved or informed. And yes, again, be involved, be informed, vote. It's all important. But clearly, if our society is actually affirming men being called women, if the women who have fought so hard for things like Title IX that give girls opportunities for scholarships and competing in women's sports, if they're willing to let men infiltrate into their fair competitions, then clearly the fight is beyond political involvement. Clearly this is a spiritual battle as well, and we need to pray. We need to share the truth of Christ. So instead of some nostalgic dream Let this realization cause us to invest in a kingdom that's sovereign over the kingdom of this world. A kingdom that does not gain power by military might or popular opinion, but through truth. We're in both kingdoms, and we need to be involved with both kingdoms. But our only hope for the kingdom of this world is the kingdom of heaven. And we see these two kingdoms in our text. A large show of military might comes to arrest a different kind of king. 
And by the mere expression of his name, they stumble back and fall to the ground. There is irony upon irony as these men are blind to who they're dealing with. Thinking they have power over Jesus who in reality can call legions of angels to wipe them out in an instant. The irony is that the one who spoke everything into existence and holds it all together is held and put on trial before them. The one who is the ultimate judge that they and all of mankind will one day give an account, he is unjustly questioned. He is abused. He is mistreated. Jesus, the, the great high priest, is brought before a high priest that, that is a shadow and type of him. He, Caiaphas, had declared that it was expedient that one man should die for the people, not knowing that he's prophesying great truth of a heavenly kingdom, saying this with self-serving motives concerning the kingdom of this world while, while not realizing the truth concerning the kingdom of heaven and you and me. Jesus is the only righteous man who ever walked the face of the earth, and yet he is the one that the Jewish leaders want to condemn. The only truly innocent man is accused of blasphemy. And instead of stoning him, Again, the sovereign control of God that Jesus would die in the manner in which was prophesied, in which Jesus spoke, instead of just stoning him like they tried to in the past, now, by the sovereign will of God, they take him to Pilate. And knowing that Pilate can care less about their theological disagreements, they lie and yet speak the truth in describing Jesus as a king. They lie, wanting Pilate to hear insurrection. And ironically, they are rebelling against the ultimate king who will judge each and every one of them. And Pilate knows their deceit. It's a contentious relationship. And he knows that they're just wanting to use him for their own lying purposes. He knows that Jesus is innocent. And yet, it's most expedient for him to give them what they want. And so there's an understandable cynicism with Pilate as he says, what is truth? Truth. What does it matter? Irony of ironies, he says this to the very one who rightly declared, I am the truth. There are two realities all throughout. People who see one kingdom and think that it's everything, and Jesus who describes a greater kingdom. And we need to keep this in mind because... If we forget about the kingdom of God, the kingdom that that comes down where God's will is sovereignly done on earth as it is in heaven, 
If we forget and think Crazyville is all that there is, then we're going to lose hope that one day, we're going to lose hope that one day all will be well. Jesus sends us into this world to, to be different and to think different and to tell the truth about the one who is the only way to make things right. We need to remember and prioritize the kingdom of God through our prayers, through knowing the truth of God's word, through living holy lives that represent him as his church, through, through going and giving and for the sake of making disciples who then bear fruit, fruit of the Spirit. What is truth? Jesus is truth. And people are blind to the truth standing right in front of them. And our highest priority must be our obedience and availability for however God would use us to open people's eyes to Jesus. There's no greater strategy for change. There's no greater strategy for change. So let's focus on his kingdom. And in verse 36, Jesus mentions two important facts concerning his kingdom, and they seem really obvious. The first, he begins with the words, my kingdom. And so let's remember that Jesus is a king. He is a king. This man brought before, brought before a worldly governor as a criminal doesn't look like some powerful earthly king. He's not dressed like a king. There's no royal display or military might. And Pilate emphasizes these things Jesus' appearance, he emphasizes this in verse 33. In the Greek, there's a clear emphasis on the pronoun you. As Pilate asks, probably with a chuckle of condescension, are you, you, the king of the Jews? And knowing the reality of who he's mocking should cause us to cringe knowing that Pilate will stand again before Jesus with utter clarity concerning his kingship. Pilate only looked on the the outward appearance and people are no different today as they think of Jesus as someone they can ignore. Some hippie they see on in a movie. Um Maybe a nice teacher, a moral man, an example of humility and sacrifice, maybe a prophet. Only mindful of an earthly kingdom and absolutely blind to the reality that the tables will one day turn and instead of mankind making wrong judgments about Jesus, he will make a right judgment about us. Standing before Pilate, he didn't look like much. And yet, he's truly God. The greatest authority. Oh, man, he didn't know what he was doing. 
the one deserving the highest respect of all. It's like the description of a tiny, seemingly insignificant mustard seed that grows into a tree. It's like leaven that spreads through the loaf or like a treasure hidden in a field. One so great that a person would be wise to sell everything that they have so that they can buy that field. Jesus didn't look like a king, but he is the ultimate. He is the king of all kings. People may not like what he commands of them, but he's the king. They may lie in the face of truth, but he's the king. They may use their earthly power and influence for earthly gain, but still, he's the king. The second thing that Jesus says that's important for us to consider is that his kingdom is not of this world. And ultimately, what he means by this is a kingdom of greater authority and consequence. Who knows what what Pilate thought when he heard this description, but clearly he wasn't threatened by this, and he should have been. These kingdoms, yes, they're different, but it's not as if one has nothing to do with the other. Jesus claimed a spiritual kingdom with a, with a heavenly origin. And think about it. He... He didn't gain power and authority from things created, but from God who is spirit. His kingdom and authority precedes and establishes and is sovereign over all earthly kingdoms. He does not merely reign over our our physical well-being, but our eternal souls as well. And if this puny, pathetic Roman governor had a clue, he would have dropped to his knees. He would have done what Psalm 2 recommends. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus' claim was infinitely greater than a a claim to an earthly reign. And for us, we do well to realize that we don't answer only to earthly rulers, but ultimately to the heavenly king. James Boyce said, When we say that Christ's kingdom is not of this world, what we are really saying is that Christ's kingdom is of heaven and therefore has an even greater claim over us than do the earthly kingdoms we know so well. Over these is Christ, and we flout his kingship not merely at the peril of our fortune and lives, but at the peril of our eternal souls. Or as Jesus put it, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This 
this encounter between Jesus and Pilate had to do with two different kingdoms. But it also revealed two different value systems. And values that really haven't changed much between then and now. Both today and in this encounter, a value that that stands out as we read through this 18th chapter, a value that stands out is pragmatism. Ah! Truth and justice. Doing what's right because it's right is lacking. And the value we see instead is pragmatism. Doing what works regardless of truth for the sake of self-serving agendas. If that doesn't describe our culture, I don't know what does. The Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead. Not because of justice, but because they didn't like the truth. The truth threatened their agenda of maintaining power and authority over the people. And so rather than gladly recognizing their long-awaited Messiah, they'd rather keep the power. Jesus was a threat to their agenda. No one ever spoke like him. No one ever taught like him. No one ever did the things that he did. And so pragmatism says eliminate the threat. It doesn't matter if we break our own rules concerning a fair trial and bring false charges to Pilate. The Jews bring Jesus to Pilate thinking thinking that Pilate's just going to rubber stamp it, push it through, give them their desires for an execution without even asking why. And it's amazing that Pilate even asks, why are you bringing him? And he probably only asks because, as we read in Matthew, his wife has some bad dreams. (laughs) Dreams that said, have nothing to do with this righteous man. It's probably the only reason he asked. She knew that Jesus was righteous, and yet because pragmatism and not truth matters, Pilate just went along. The Jews, they bring a false charge against Jesus, and Luke's gospel gives us a little more detail as, as it says, uh, as they said, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. Not only had Jesus done nothing to subvert the nation of Israel, but when they tried to trap him with their question about taxes, he said the very opposite of this. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when Pilate dismisses these charges saying, I find no guilt in him, then the Jews just changed their complaint. Whatever's going to work, let's do it. We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he's made himself the son of God, they say. Change the story. Pilate, he can care less. He can care less about their laws. And so they try something else. They threaten Pilate, saying, 
if you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Justice doesn't matter. Our agenda, by means, whatever means that are necessary, that's what matters with pragmatism. We'll say whatever needs to be said to get what we want. We'll even lie to Caesar, Pilate, and ruin you if you don't do what we want. It's the value system of this world. And Pilate did the same. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew the Jews were lying. He felt the threat to get what they wanted. And instead of doing what's true and just, he he condemned an innocent man. And nothing's really changed. It's not as if this is some, you know, ancient, unevolved society and we're so sophisticated in ours. Woman of the year. The values of earthly kingdoms today are pragmatism and relativism. They go hand in hand. Doing whatever works to get what we want and twisting the truth so that so that, it won't, so that we won't get away with it. True truth is God's objective authority to define what's right and wrong. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when man belittles and ignores this, when there is no fear of God and man simply does what seems right in his own eyes, then truth is relative. And we define what we want. We say things like, hey, you live however you want to live. I'll do whatever I want to do. And somehow people don't see the, the obvious consequences, the anarchy that comes about. We see the hypocrisy of the Jews and how they're eager to hand over the sinless Son of God, the true Messiah, to a Gentile ruler. Look at the hypocrisy in our text. Here they are. They're handing over a Jewish Messiah to a Gentile ruler, telling lies to, to bring about his murder, And yet we read that they're concerned about keeping themselves pure for the Passover meal. Not wanting to go into Pilate's house, but staying outside because we need to, we we don't want to defile ourselves. And certainly Pilate is hypocritical in his show of in uh, his show of justice. The world's values of Pragmatism and relativism bear the fruit of hypocrisy, injustice, and cruelty. This is the kingdom Jesus experienced. This is the worldly kingdom that he sends us into. And it shouldn't be a surprise when we experience these same worldly values. It shouldn't surprise us. Nothing's changed. And this is why it's so important for us to be 
in the world, but not of the world. We can't help but be in the kingdom of this world. We're called to engage with them and to truly love them, and yet not be of them, not be like them, not have these these values that are so contrary to the values of Christ's heavenly kingdom, a kingdom where his gospel and truth are the defining values, a kingdom Jesus describes as he says in verse 37, for this purpose I was born. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. In Christ's kingdom, truth is not something to be twisted and manipulated. No, it's, it's revealed. It's revealed in the person of Jesus. Jesus bears witness to the truth. He reveals the truth of who God is in bodily form. And what we see is not only perfect justice in Jesus' coming. Not only perfect justice, but we see perfect love. And if God was only defined by his justice, if that's all that God was, was justice, then Jesus would not have been born into this world. He would not have come into this world. What would be the point? For if God was only justice, he would only damn us to hell because we're all guilty, because that would be just and we'd be getting what we deserve. But the good news of Christ's kingdom is that God is also love. And love and justice, they're perfectly revealed at the cross. In his justice, He must punish the guilty. And in his love, he punishes Jesus instead of us. Jesus who willingly took our place. There's no greater love. No greater display of justice. God didn't sweep it under the carpet and just say, I forgive you regardless of your guilt. He he was just and he was loving. This is why Jesus was born. This is the ultimate truth that impacts every person as they either listen and believe or face God's justice apart from the love given in Jesus. Jesus was no unwilling victim of the Jews and Pilate. They may have thought their position of authority gave them control over the outcome, but Jesus, remember, is king. And his kingdom reveals the truth. And the only way to reveal the truth of God was for him to go to the cross. It was his will. And we see this superiority of the heavenly kingdom in Acts 2 as Peter preached saying, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Not some unwilling victim. This was the plan of God. They crucified and killed. He was killed at the hands of lawless men. They're responsible, but God was in charge. 
He was sovereign. One kingdom acts with pragmatism and relativism, bearing fruit of hypocrisy, injustice, and cruelty, and Christ's heavenly kingdom ordained it to bear witness to the truth. And we know the story doesn't end there. Because truth has to do with revealing, with with bearing witness. Truth does not end with the cross or even the resurrection or the ascension. Truth goes on in the life of Christ's church. For we read, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach or bring the good news. So in closing, what is truth? Truth is is revealed. Truth is revealed. It's revealed in the person of Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. This is what Jesus was teaching the disciples on the road to Emmaus, saying that that all of Scripture, the revelation of God, was concerning himself. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he revealed truth to us in going to the cross. Secondly, the truth is revealed to us We believe and we see, we hear the truth. How? Only because Jesus commissioned his apostles to go and be witnesses and to give us a permanent, complete, written revelation of truth. The Bible. The Holy Spirit breathed it out through them. Teaching and, and bringing to their remembrance all that Jesus said. It's amazing what we have in God's Word. Truth is revealed. Revealed in Jesus. Revealed in Jesus sending the apostles to give us His Word. And finally, truth is revealed in our hearts and minds as we, as we pick up God's Word and read it. The Bible. You know, it's a, it's a book printed and distributed in this earthly kingdom, but the heavenly kingdom, by the work of the Holy Spirit, sovereignly sovereignly speaks through paper and ink, doing a supernatural work, causing, revealing to spiritually blind people like we all once were, the truth, to rightly see Jesus, to rightly know God. And because of the truth, as we read God's word and are changed by the truth of his word, we too are sent to go and to tell others. Whether it be raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord with your neighbors or even going to faraway places. We have a tremendous hope in Jesus. So... Don't be overly discouraged by the kingdoms of this world. 
by living in Crazyville. It's no surprise to King Jesus. He is sovereign over all of this craziness, and he's using it now, just as he used Pilate, and just as he used the Jewish leaders for his good purposes. So don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged. Keep your eyes on Jesus and pray and be in his word and stay connected to his church. And for BCC, that means not not only staying connected with the people right here in Medford, but also to our brothers and sisters in places like Brazil. These missionaries who consider themselves a part of this body in Brazil and Colombia and Thailand and Turkey, South Africa and Malawi. Write to them. Pray for them. Keep giving toward their support. And remember, go to our website. Give for the sake of this immediate and urgent need. Real kingdom building work Real kingdom building work where, where we'll have the joy of saying how beautiful are the feet and wheels of those who bring good news. Let's pray. And if you know this by heart, please pray along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.